Can we rise together again for our scripture reading? Our scripture reading today comes from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 2, and then Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, uh, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. And Jesus answered to him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You guys can have a seat. Um, I have the uh, uh, distinct privilege and honor to uh, introduce to you our guest speaker, Pastor Caleb Lee. He was our guest speaker for our All-Stars, our Younger Brothers and Sisters Retreat. He's been uh, blessing us with the Word of God, teaching us what it means to be a fan versus a follower and that being a follower means something so much more glorious than we realize. And so without further ado, could we just give him a round of applause as he comes up? Good morning. Man, you, come on. I, I need to uh, feel you guys this morning. All right? Good morning. Good seeing you guys. You guys look beautiful. Um, I was so blessed by this weekend. And I first want to thank uh, Pastor John. Pastor John, we go way back. Um, maybe I know John over 10 years and Pastor John, when he was uh, younger, uh, you know, he still looks the same, right? He looks like one of, one of you guys, right? And, and he would come to me. I remember this one time. We were at a church called Bethel up in Maryland. I was a pastor there. And Pastor John came up and said, oh, Pastor Caleb, I, I don't know you, but I want to go to seminary. I was like, what is this little kid or what is this little guy talking about? And that was it. I, he got on board and Man, after 10 years, we reconnected. I've seen God move and work through his ministry. And I've been so blessed. And you guys, here's the thing. You guys need to appreciate your pastors, right? They do a lot for you. And so pray for them and your teachers. Don't take them for granted, all right? But pray for them and also just make sure 
once in a while, I know some of you guys, you really want to, don't want to talk to your pastors, but make sure you tell them, thank you, right? Thank you. Um, today, I want to kind of close out this retreat. And, and you know, if you, for senior hires, JG, you haven't been to our retreat, so it's okay. I'm not going to try to connect everything back, but, you know, Pastor John shared with us, what is a fan versus a follower? And fan, basically, as you know, uh, he, he, there are secret admirers, basically. I would say ex excited secret admirers. How many guys have secret admirers, right? Maybe in this school or maybe in this church, you have someone that you like, but they don't know they, you like her, you like her, or he likes you. Don't look, uh, some of you guys are looking around, right? But some of you guys have a secret of mind. Sometimes the fan, what it is, is sometimes that's how we were described, right? You say, I believe in Jesus. I know about Jesus. But when it comes down to it, you don't have a personal relationship. That's what a fan is. A follower, on the other hand, a follower has a genuine relationship, loves Jesus. And I define it this way, loves Jesus and is willing to obey at whatever the cost. Right? Because he trusts him, loves him. And that's what a follower is, an active, growing relationship with him and is willing to trust and obey as he leads us. That's what a follower is. And today I'm going to continue. I'm going to try to wrap this up. And I was trying to really think through what is it, this one thing. If I had one thing, because in seminary what we talked about was make every sermon, and this is my seminary professor said, make every sermon if, as if it's your last, right? And it's going to be my last, right? Uh, at least speaking on, you know, pulpit here on Sunday. But I wanted to talk about something that's been dear and, and something that's God been convicting in my life. I'm 44, but this is something that I'm still learning to do. And this is one thing. If I had to sum up one thing about the Bible, what you need to do and you and I to believe is this is one thing. Everyone say this with me. I am, I am a child of God. If you guys heard that phrase before, I am a child of God. You know, identity is very important, right? So you guys struggle through identity, and, you know, you guys are going to struggle with, through identity all the rest of your life, right? Because, well, I don't know about the rest of your life, but you will struggle, right? Some of you guys struggle with identity, too. I did. Seventh grade, I, I was like, oh, I wanted to hang on with the cool kids, and, and so I got into basketball, and, like, they listened to rap. I really didn't like rap music, but I tried to fit in, so I listened to rap music. And in high school, you changed. I wanted to be a nerd, so I, I, I joined the 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 chess club, right? Nothing against chess club, but, and then we did the math club, and I did all these things just to fit in, because my identity, I just wanted to be accepted. And you'll go through that, and I'll talk about it, but what's more important as Christians, right? What's the most one thing, if I were to tell you what's one thing, one thing is that you are a child of God. You are a child of God. Turn to the person right and to the left and say, you are a child of God. Because as you get older and older, things will come and you get distracted. But this truth must be deep down anchored and be reminded each day. Okay, so, so I'm going to kind of go over three things, right? Three lies that we hear on a daily basis. There's a lot. We talked about yesterday, Romans chapter 12, and how there's patterns of this world. Like there's different voices telling you guys otherwise. One example was, hey, nowadays... It's, there is no absolute truth. Whatever you believe, whatever you want to be, do it. Because there's no absolute truth. 
right? Like if someone is like, you know, I think Pastor John talked about it. It's like, hey, I want my identity to be this. I define myself as this. In school, you're not supposed to be like, ew, what, why, why are you doing that, right? Because you're going to look like, oh, what's wrong with you? You're not with the times. And it's hard being a Christian. But these three things I want to kind of go over today. And I'm going to talk about three problems that we hear. And I'm going to talk about a solution. Oh, how do we get through that? How do we get through that? But before I continue on, this is a, a book that I read when I went to seminary. And uh, this is one of the theologians, right, theologians. They, they really emphasize this, the importance of knowing, um, knowing your identity in Christ as a child of God. So let me um, read this real quick. Okay, I don't have that. All right, so I'll read it. So J.I. Packer is called Knowing God, and uh, it, it says this. You sum up the whole of New Testament religion if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one holy father. Right? It's talking about the book. You acknowledge that it describes, you know, it describes the one, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's saying that, hey, it's about fatherhood, right? Today's Father's Day. Did you guys say happy Father's Day to uh, your dads? No? Who didn't say happy Father's Day? It's okay. You're not too late. All right, go back and say happy Father's Day. Um, but it's like comes out, kind of hinges upon this that, our God the Father. But more importantly, he continues this. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well alone. Let me look at this. Won't read this one more time. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well. Very important. So three lies I want to kind of go over. It's from a book that I got, uh, read. It's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. But he kind of breaks it down for us. And I'm going to use that today, using God's uh, word and scripture to really help us to get through and understand how do we combat these lies. In Luke chapter 3, as we read in Luke chapter 3, this is a famous, and I'm sure you grew up in church. You, you, knew, you heard about this, about temptations that Jesus went through, right, with the devil. How many of you guys ever read this passage? No? Some of you guys? Okay. Tough crowd today. But some of you guys read it, but you probably have at least heard of this. Right? Someone has spoken or about it or preached about it. But these three lies is what is always coming at us. But before I get there, so this is, let me kind of set the setting up, right? So Luke is kind of showing us a picture of what's going on. Like Luke kind of drops you in, right? It's kind of like a, a movie that it doesn't have a beginning, but it just, boom, it starts in the beginning. And Luke does that very well, right? And Luke kind of plats um, his, his storyline on Jesus. Jesus is about 30 and let me read Luke chapter 3, 21, 22. You don't have it, but let me read it. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Remember John the Baptist? Camel hair, we talked about it in our retreat. But camel hair, he was a prophet, right? He was, he was on fire. He was baptizing people. And they were like, what are you doing, John? What authority? He says, no, I'm not the, I'm not the man. Right? The man that's going to come after me is Jesus. Right? I baptized you with water, but the the next person, Jesus, Messiah, 
He's going to baptize with you the Holy Spirit. This is going to be the man. And so John the Baptist, he gets the privilege to see Jesus, not only Jesus, and one of the things he says is, hey, look at the Lamb of God. And people are like, oh, what's going on? But Jesus has to be baptized to fulfill the scripture. And so he goes to John the Baptist and sees not only, and, and gets baptized. And this is the picture that Luke paints. It says, as he was praying, heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, Right? And heaven's open, we talked about it, and this is kind of God showing your heart. I imagine, I've never seen a heaven open up, right? Have you guys seen heaven open up? No, right? But it, heaven opens up, and then it says, hey, the spirit comes down. Hey, this is my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Right, that's how it starts. Before Jesus is ready for ministry, he has a calling that is upon him. What's his calling? You are my son with whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And the scripture tells us, Jesus is right, the spirit, right? Spirit of God takes him, right? And I want to make comments about that. Spirit of God does not tempt you, right? But he leads Jesus to test his identity, right? Sometimes these trials and temptations that come in our way is to refine you right sometimes when you get a test you know how smart you are right how well you do on the test how smart you are or how how well you understand the concept right of that topic in the same way as the spirit leads jesus his one goal was to what make sure that he understand his true identity right so point number one that i want to make is um, everyone say this with me? This one number one lie is you are what you do. Everyone say it with me. One, two, three. You are what you do. All right. And, and Sars is the devil. The first thing the devil tempts him about is. Um, but before I get there, I'm sorry. Before I get there, Jesus not was not only confirmed his calling, but he was physically. Right. He says he fasted forty days and forty nights. Did you get that? How many of you guys ever fasted? Do you guys know what fasting is? Okay. It's you refrain from eating. You're saying, God, I, I want you. Right? This is just an outward expression of how much I need you. I don't live by bread alone, but I want you, Jesus. I need you. That's what fasting is. And Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. How many of you guys ever fasted a day? I love food. I love eating food. I can't even skip a meal. Maybe a meal. I probably would oh, shrivel up and die, right? I, I, I love food. And I can't go without food. But Jesus was 40 days and 40. So this is crazy. You know, as I get older, like, um, you know, I go for annual checkup. And especially COVID messed me up, right? I just ate whatever I wanted to. And... I did whatever I want to, like, eat. I love chips. How many of you guys love chips? I love chips, right? And then I love soda, right? And, and I, I just ate and ate and ate chicken nuggets, whatever. Very unhealthy. Some of you guys, you should introduce salad, vegetables, broccoli, kale, all that. Amen? Oh, amen. Okay. Eat well. Be healthy. 
But I was not healthy. And so I was like, uh, my doctor was like, hey, Pastor Lee, your uh, blood pressure is really high. You got to do something or you're going you're gonna to die soon, right? At an early age, I was like, no, I can't die. I like, you know, I get traumatized. And uh, so I went back home and I was like, oh, shoot, how am I going to really um, lose this weight, right? Be healthy. Not that I want to look good, but I want, I, I want to look, look, I mean, I want to feel healthy. So I did all this research. I was like, dish, 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 dish. I went back to my church office. Dish, 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 dish. And then one fad that came in, I was like, oh, this is very doable, right? You should never, number one, you should never go on a crash diet, okay? That's bad. It's lifestyle. Everyone say lifestyle, right? That's very important. And so one of the fads that came on was um, banana diet. Have you guys ever heard of banana diet? No, I haven't either. But basically what it is, is it's guaranteed. People have testimonies and all that. Don't look it up right now. Some of you guys are searching banana diet. And I'll tell you what, listen to my story before you do anything else. But what happened was basically, you know, it's a diet and it works. So every time you get hungry, you pop a banana in. So banana is like 80 cal, right? So even if you ate 10 bananas, you guys are smart, right? You have 1,000 calories, right? No big deal. Banana and water, you do that. Banana and water, you do that. And so I was like talking to one of my pastor friends. We're sitting in the office. And I was like, hey, I got, it. I got the best diet ever. He's like, yeah, tell me. Tell me, Caleb. What's, what's, what's the diet about? And he, he's like, uh, well, let me explain. I said, well, I got this banana diet. And all you do is eat a banana whenever you get hungry. Please don't try this at home. And it's guaranteed you can lose weight. And, you know, my pastor friend is like sitting down and he's like really and he's in deep thought I'm like what are you, I'm just waiting what are you gonna say what are you gonna say um and he says you know what Caleb you might be right I've never seen fat monkeys before right so I was like oh yeah you're right confirmation there's no fat monkeys right and I, he's like yeah there's no fat monkeys because they eat banana so I started it so I bought, in the span of two weeks, I'll tell you something. I can't look at the bananas the same way. I think I consumed about 200 bananas. I, I don't want to look at a banana anymore. Anything banana, right? But he was hungry. Have you ever, I was grouchy. I mean, you can ask my family. I was like, oh, I hate life because I've been eating banana and water all day. I'm hungry. But this is the condition that Jesus was sent to the desert to be tested of his identity. So number one, you are what you do. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Right? Devil knew that he was hungry. And he says, Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell these bread. Tell this stone to become bread. Right? And basically, Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God's mouth. Right? And he quotes scripture. But this temptation that was given to Jesus is loud and clear in our generation. You are what you do. You know, I was thinking about this. And Nova, we're really blessed. You know that? I've been around different states, you know, different parts of this um, country. But Nova, we're very blessed. Right? A lot of you, right? You really don't have any worries, right? But one thing that's stressing everyone out, I'll tell you this, is from the early age, 
Your parents pressure you. And they don't pressure you because they hate you, but they want you to have a good life, right? Be successful. So, you know, we talked about it, you know, yesterday, and, you know, we're sitting around with some counselors. But Nova, I feel really bad for you guys. I mean, it was pretty bad when I was growing up too, but my mom would always tell me, hey, you got to get good grades, right? So, for example, if you get a B plus, that was, like, unacceptable. Why'd you get a B plus? Because uh, I just slacked off. You know what's funny? I do that to my son now, right? <laughs> like, oh, Dad, I got a B plus. And, and I'm like, oh, son, that's not good news. Why'd you get a B plus? Why could you get an A? You're almost at A. But because you are this generation, especially living in Nova, you are defined by what you do, isn't it? Some of you guys, high schoolers, like when you get to high school, right, you are what you do. So if you're not smart, right, you feel very like insecure. Like, I'm not that important. Maybe if you don't play sports, right, you're not the cool football player or basketball player or hockey or swimmer. You're not cool. So people don't really notice you. And then you move on. You go to college. You know, juniors, how many juniors are in here? Juniors, right? Juniors in high school. Sorry, junior high school. It's a lot of pressure, right? It's game time now. All the years of elementary school, middle school, your education career hinges upon this year, right? It's really a lot of pressure. You know, my mom told me, hey, you don't get into to UVA, you're not my son anymore. I'm like, what? What is this? Where's, where's your love for this? And she's like, I'm just kidding. You, but you got to get into a good college, right? Or I'm going to disown you. Like, this is crazy, mom. Like, I, I can't get into UVA. I'm not that smart. And so I ended up going to a better school, George Mason, okay? I'm just kidding. Utterly failed. I felt like, oh, no, there's nothing wrong with George Mason. But my mom made it such a big deal about UVA. I was like, man, this is not good. Anyways, you can go to George Mason, all right? So don't say, hey, Pastor Kim said you're a failure if you went to George Mason, all right? Please don't tell your parents that. But you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Your parents kind of pressure you, and, and you yourself buy into this. And you yourself with your peers, you say, hey, you are what you do. And you know what? As you get older, it gets even crazier. Because when they, you know, a lot of things that I noticed about, you know, our churches, this is really not healthy. But, you know, they'll introduce themselves when you get older. I'll give you a snapshot of your future, right? They'll, they'll say, hey, uh, wait, uh, yeah, what's your name? Oh, uh, Caleb. Um, and they'll ask, uh, what do you do? Right? And you want to sound like oh, you're doing something important, right? I'm a contractor. Government contractor. Oh, what does that do? Right? You don't want to say, I, I, I want to go to McDonald's. I work at McDonald's. Right? Because it's just the culture that we live in that you're defined, valued by what you do. Here's one quote by Madonna. Okay? Let me... Um, actually, it's not even here. Okay, sorry. But let me read this. Um, to you. Let me, this famous like, singer, I don't know, you, you guys know who Madonna is? Madonna? No? Okay, tough crowd. All right, Madonna is just, you can look her up. I mean, she's um, 
a singer, but she's just not a singer. She is kind of like the goat, right? For like pop, pop music, right? It's Michael Jackson, Madonna. He's probably up there. But this is what she says about you are what you do and trying to prove your worth. He says, I have an iron will, and all of my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I pushed past on spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, and then I get another stage, and I think I'm mediocre and interesting. Basically, I'm, I think I'm all that, but when I get to another stage, I feel like I'm mediocre. Again and again, my drive in life, this is her goal, my drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre. And that's always pushing me, pushing me. Because even though I have become somebody, I'll have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and it probably never was. Superstar. He's saying, my biggest fear is that I'll be mediocre, that I'll be nobody. Let me tell you something. If you believe in this lie, you go on this trajectory, that you are what you do. You make your million bucks, whatever. You have the nice house and the car. I'm going to tell you, even as I'm a lot older than you guys, and you can maybe ask your parents too, you'll always find two things. You will fail in life. There's failure in life. And there's somebody better than you. There's somebody better than you. Then what are you going to do now? If you go and believe this lie, you would utterly feel that you have failed. and You look like a failure. There's so much depression that's going on in this generation because they don't know how to accept failure. But we cannot give in to this slide. Number two, as you continue, right, um, everyone say this with me. You are what you have. Awesome. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it would all be yours. The second lie is that the devil takes him to the highest place and shows him the kingdoms of this world. And he says, I will give you all their authority, splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to if you worship me. Why? You are what you're, I can give you this kingdom, Jesus. Your second lie a lot of times we, f- we feel like we're defined by what we have, right? We were defined by what we have, the clothes that we wear, right? Growing up, true story, right? I didn't want to go buy and shop at Old Navy, right? I wanted to buy something name brand, Nike, because you are what you, you have, right? You know, even now, it's crazy. When I was in youth ministry, I, you know, this, this one, you know, one uh, tenth grader, he came up to me, Pastor Caleb, you like my sweatshirt? And I was like, yeah, it's a normal sweatshirt. W- what is it? Uh, what's so special about it? He's like, Pastor Caleb, you're so old, you don't know what's in style. So I was like, man, this is the bomb sweatshirt, right? So I was like, what, uh, what is that? Uh, Supreme? What is Supreme? Right? Like, I- I'm sorry, I'm not cultured like you guys, right? Supreme is like what? $300 a shirt, sweatshirt, something like that, three, four hundred dollars He's like, yeah. And I kid you not, all the kids were like talking about it. Oh, so-and-so had Supreme. And, you know, you could see this guy like blowing up his head. He's like, oh, yeah, that's me. I feel Supreme. But you are what you have. 
iPhones. Some of you guys have better phones than I do. I struggle with this with too. Like iPhones, I'm like, hey, uh, I want to upgrade every year, right? I want to upgrade, and I only have an iPhone XR. But, you know, it's like it makes you feel special, right? Right? When you have the nice, best thing, you're like, man, I feel like I'm on cloud nine. I don't, do you guys have that feeling? Like you get the best of things, MacBooks, what have you. You're like, man, I, I got it good, right? Some of you guys started driving. Maybe your parents bought you a nice car, right? And you're like, oh, this is the bomb, right? But every year, I'm like, oh, you know what will make me happy? It's iPhone 13. Look at the beautiful camera. And then I would always try to tell my wife this. I was like, hey, honey, uh, can we just get a new uh, phone? And she's like, what's wrong with the one that you got six months ago? Oh, honey, you don't understand. A new chip came out. <laughs> you don't want me to be the best pastor? Like, I got to shoot emails out like crazy. And she's like, oh, what is wrong with you? I wasn't satisfied. So I was like, oh, I need to upgrade and six months later or two years later, I'll be like, oh, honey, we got to get to iPhone 12. What's wrong with your iPhone 12 you just got a year ago? Oh, it's not, it's not good enough. When is it going to stop? <laughs> Some of you guys have iPhone 13s, right? It ain't all that, right? It's just, it hasn't changed. It's just a little faster, right? Like when I first got my phone, I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. I would like take care of it. Now I don't care. I throw it around, right? You are what you have. That's a lie. Right, even in seminary, I'll tell you this, my struggle. Uh, I used to drive a 93 Accord, right, 93 Accord. And some of you guys, you weren't even born in 93. And I was driving this old car, 200,000 miles, and it would, it would have an exhaust pipe. Not because I installed it, because there was a hole in the muffler. So wherever I drove, it like, <laughs> embarrassing. So I'd be like uh, ducking down, right? It's the old 93 uh, Honda Accord. And then my brother-in-law back then had a Chevy Tahoe. You guys know what Chevy Tower is? Big, mean machine, big truck. And it's a brand new Chevy Tower. So when I was driving the 93 Accord, I was, like, so embarrassed. Like, and they were, like, probably, like, looking, like, who's even in the car? Because I was, like, so, so ashamed. I was, like, Ing. and then when it, my brother-in-law came by, hey, Caleb, take a drive. Take for a spin. And I was, like, ooh, this is awesome. And I got into the car. I'm driving, put the windows down. I got a little taller. Put the bass up, and you know, I'm just rolling down, you know, like I'm like chilling, right? And I feel amazing. This world is screaming at you, saying you would need this thing to be worthy. You need this thing, to, it makes you look good. You drive a nice car, status, right? You know, uh, I, I love Disney songs. Do you guys like Disney songs? How many of you guys like Little Mermaid? Right? Ariel, she my girl, right? Ariel is beautiful, right? Comic, right? And, and you know, I, I like Ariel. And, but she, she, what makes her beautiful is that she got this, ooh, she sings, right? She loves to sing. And, you know, one, one day, I, I love this song, uh, Part of Your World. You guys know that song? Part of Your World? You guys probably memorize it. So, but, but what's really important is, you know, I was just singing it one day with my daughter, right? We used to have a van that had, like, already played it, already a playlist on it, right? And we used to sing that. My daughter used to love that song all the time. And, and, and you know, I didn't really pay attention to the lyrics, but just let me kind of give you a little snapshot of the lyrics here. It says, look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? 
wouldn't you think I'm the girl, the girl who's everything? Look at this trove, treasure untold. How many wonders can one cavern hold? Look around, you think she's got everything. Ariel has everything. She's a queen. She's a princess, sorry, of, of underworld, right? She's under the sea. <laughs> she can get everything that she wants. She has all these collections, but she don't have it. She's like, oh, there's something more. And obviously, I'm going to stop here, but obviously, the story goes on. She thinks outside of the sea is the best part, right? Better than what's going on under the sea. If you chase these things, you will never be happy. And some people tell you, okay, you are what you have. And they'll say, oh, you're good. But inside, just like Madonna, just like Ariel, <laughs> you will never be happy. Third line. Let's quickly move on. Uh, you are what others say or think about you. Right? So say this together. You are what others say or think about you. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. What's going on here? The devil led him to the Jerusalem and had him stand at the highest point. The highest point basically is the pinnacle of the temple, right? Let's say triangle. That's a pinnacle of the uh, pinnacle of the um, temple. And, and below, everyone was cheering. Like they came to worship. And basically, if you were to throw me down, what people will do is, oh, they'll clap. Oh, yeah. Jesus, you, you are the son of God because you didn't get hurt. Like he threw you down, and if angels will catch him, then he was like, hey, I will receive all the praise. And here's what lies that we struggle with. And this is very important. I'm going to try to wrap it up soon. I know I'm going over time, but I'm going to tell you one lie that you and I struggle with is that you, what, what others think of you. Social media, right? I've never seen anyone, it's very dangerous, but I've never seen anyone put post up like, for example, you only post up the good things that happen to you, right? You only post up the good things that happen to you. You don't post up anything that bad ha happens to you. For example, if you get an A, you post it up. It's like, oh, look, I got my quiz, right? And everyone, you want everyone to uh, follow you and like you. But you never post up F, right? If you got to fail the test, you know, like, oh, I failed the test. You know, there's one, one student that is struggling with this because, hey, I, I feel like, you know, when I look at social media, uh, that's very important, whether you like it or not. But I'm really, yeah, it makes, it matters to me that what others think of me is that I'm a cool, I'm a good, decent human being. So I want to post up all these things. But I get depressed if I don't get likes. But we're always bombarded and we're always, yeah, being attacked by this. And then I feel bad for you guys. Right? This is a generation that we use social media. But you are others think it will drive you crazy because then you will try to, you wouldn't know who you are. You will try to fit in. You will try to do whatever it takes to be accepted. And this social media thing is very dangerous. So what do we do with all this? What do we do with all this? And I was thinking about this. Um, let's go to First John. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. To 
overcome these lies. John at his old age, this is John at his old age. And he says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. That word see is not just seeing, like seeing, but it's seeing from your heart. That it penetrates to your heart what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called the children of God. You see, John is saying, this temptation, just as Jesus overcame the temptation, that he understood his identity, right? The only way you and I can understand the identity that we have, the child of God, is that you understand that your father loves you. Let me explain. When I was about maybe 35, and, and you know, one of the things that, that, that really uh, was pride and joy, and, it's, and this is the father's heart, to say his father's say, is, is my children, right? So Nora, my second daughter, she was about maybe like not even six months old, like a month old, right? And we went out, my wife and I, we went out for the first time. And what happened was um, she was, like she threw up a lot, right? And she had reflux. And so we would kind of, you know, unbelt her in, in our guard seat or his stroller, sorry. But, and, and one day, you know, we were walking around, it was good, and we're about to come out. And what happened was, I was, uh, I don't know what happened, but I pulled down the stroller and plop, a one-month-old baby fell down. And it was crazy because I don't know what it was. Right next to Nora, there was uh, like spill of like ketchup or something, some kind of like blood. It wasn't, it wasn't a practical joke, but there's something spilled there. So I thought it was blood. I was like, ah, like I lost it, right? And, and, and I was like crying and holding her and I was like so devastated that my one month old was falling into concrete. I was like, what is going on here? I was losing it. Let me tell you, the heart of God the Father, and I'm done. For God the Father, his prized possession. Remember I told you when he first began, you are my son whom I love. I am well pleased. Then there's another part. Moses and his disciples saw the exact same thing. It's called transfiguration. This is my son whom I love. But there's one time, God the Father saw his son hung upon the cross because of the sin, the struggles that we have. He's hung upon the cross, and he cries out to The scripture says that's the only time Jesus doesn't refer to as, as God the Father. This is my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And God the Father turns his face away. And his father can't do anything about it. And Jesus dies. But more importantly, we talk a lot about Jesus. But what if the God the Father has done for you? He's given you his very best, his son, to die for you. And when you are the worst of sinners, to show you how much he loves you, the Father's heart, the Father's heart. As you wrap up this morning, 
whenever you feel like you lost your identity, whenever you feel like I'm not good enough, I pray that you would see, you would see how much our God the Father loves you. Let's, let's pray. Let's take a moment and pray. Let's pray. And I know I shared a lot, and I think I went over, uh, but it's okay. I, I want this time for God to really speak to our hearts. Because remember, this is the one thing, the important, important thing, most important thing, if I had to do a mic drop on, is that you are a child of God. Some of us, we've been given to this lie that you are what you do, you are what you have, and you are what others say or think about you. Let's pray. God, sorry for not seeing. Help me to believe. Help me to believe how much you love me. Enough to send your very own son to die for me. That's the power of the gospel. If you understand that truth, your lives will never be the same. If you understand the truth of the Father's love for you, your lives would never be the same. You know, most children, the most, you know, I've seen a lot of students. The students that are confident and secure of who they are is when they understand their parents love them the most. Parents love them with unconditionally. Parents aren't perfect, but your Heavenly Father is perfect and loves you. So could you ask a sim one simple prayer? God, I struggle with these things. God, help me to see and believe that you love me. And the proof is that Jesus came down to show you how much he loves you. So let's pray.